Hi, I'm Vince Irushi. And I'm Stephen A. And this is the Assign It To Me podcast. This show is a weekly discussion about our application, Assign It To Me, which is a web-based project management tool for professional services companies that are looking for an easier and effective way to manage their projects. Discuss topics like project management, analytics, and any interesting and noteworthy news and technology. You can catch our show notes for these podcasts at blog.assignittome.com. So I get these calls, uh, it's got to be at least once a week, and they, they're selling me duck cleaning. And it's the same guy every week. So what I've done is uh, he called yesterday. And, and every time he calls, what happens is he, he calls and he tells me, oh, we have a 60% discount. It's, it's like every week is a 60% discount. And uh, I go, okay, great. You know what? My, my son-in-law is an HVAC. My father-in-law is an HVAC. I don't need to get the, my ducks clean. I would like, I'd appreciate it if you just mark on your record there that not to call me. And boom, the guy hangs up on me. Mid sentence, <laughs> so he calls yesterday. Same guy, and he goes, "Hi, I have the click." I didn't even wait; I just hung up on the guy. So, um, this this call blocking stuff, like I have to get it um, either on my phone or my house or whatever. But I noticed that you did a post on on call blocking. You know, yes. you're happy with the Apple, with the crapple uh, iPhone. Yes. Yeah. So well, I'll, I'll tell you what my... How does it work, first of all? The, so you basically... I got, I got upgrade. I still haven't upgraded you yet, You basically right? have contacts, and you can block them from contacting you through phone, FaceTime, and instant messages right. through their iMessage. And um, the trick that most people do to block calls from telemarketers is they, keep, they create a contact called junk caller, telemarketer, whatever, right? And you block them um, in your privacy settings. So every time a new caller comes in, you add that phone number to the contact. So that you can't block them on the first call. It's always the, the subsequent call, call, right? Well, in theory, it, by adding that phone number to the contact that you want blocked, the next call should be blocked. But it doesn't right. work that way. You have to unblock that, that contact every single time you add a number and re-block them. How stupid is <laughs> that? So you're not too happy with that feature? No. Uh, there are a couple of features. There's another feature. When we upgraded to iOS 7, both my wife uh, and I on both of our phones, different models. She has a 4S and I have a 4. Uh, the motion, or not the motion, the proximity sensor stopped working. The right. thing that they bragged about on the very first iPhone was that when you put it up against your face, the screen would go out so that uh, you wouldn't face style or anything. Right. So when... and. We're not the only people who, I, I looked it up on the Apple support forums, so the planning people had the problem and not everyone was able to fix it. But, um, so basically, you get a phone call, the screen's still lit when it's against your face, and if it, your face even touches it, you can press a, a keypad button or turn it on. My In my particular case, I think my wife kept hitting a button, right? right? it go beep, right? In my case, I kept switching it to speaker. Oh, so okay. I guess my fat cheeks were pushing the speaker <laughs> part of the, like of, the of the glass, and all of a sudden, be on the speakerphone. And <laughs> yeah, that's not cool, right? Yeah. <laughs> I was reading on the Apple support forums that happened to this one guy during a private call in public, and all of a sudden, some stuff that should not have been publicly heard got, one speaker. got heard at his <laughs> nice, office. Nice, nice. So, what, to fix it, you reset your settings. But 
when you reset your settings, your Wi-Fi passwords disappear, your wallpapers disappear, a whole bunch of stuff disappears that you have to... That's why I asked for my Wi-Fi this morning. Yes. Yeah, okay. So we, so you have to look stuff up and, and re-enter it. Yeah. And some stuff you don't even know is, is disabled. Yeah. Um, for example, the iMessage settings get reset. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Well, um, you mentioned in your, in your article, it's anti-golf apping. So yes, golf apping uh, is our term that that you know makes the app is nice and smooth. That's because uh, I have an app that's a golf app and it's nice and slick and it works just the way it should work. Um, but I'm thinking is if I was going to golf app this this call blocking, it's almost like junk mail. So as soon as I get the mail, no, well, the call blocking it is should a bug. be like job. No, but it should be like junk mail. So when the call comes in, there should be a button where okay is you know make it junk. Don't call. even get me started on, <laughs> on the iPhone and call blocking. It took until yeah. iOS 7 to have call blocking. Right. None of the previous versions had it. iOS 6 had something called um, Do Not Disturb, which is not the same as call blocking. Right. Um, if you have a jailbroken iPhone, you can pay 18 bucks for an app that will properly call block. Right. But you got to jailbreak your phone. Right. Right. And which nullifies its warranty. No, et cetera, well, so, well, whatever. I don't know. But anyway, no, but yeah, if it was going to be truly a good app, call comes in. If you make I, me reset my settings or anything like that, yeah, you failed. Yeah. All right? Yeah. I don't know. It's True. just sloppy, sloppy software work, yeah. which I, you know, everyone does it, but expectations are a little higher with Apple because you pay a little more for their products. Right. And they brag about how much better they are than the other platforms. You better be, right? You better be. Yeah. So anyway. Don't get oh. me started on Apple. Okay, I'm going off. But uh, going back to call blocking, so I'm assuming you're talking about uh, your home phone that you, they were Well, calling. yeah, this is separate from the problem you're yes. having, yeah. So yeah. what I used to do uh, until recently was I had a USB device that was hooked up to a computer that I have running all the time, which acted as my quote-unquote answering machine. So what it would do was it would use a caller ID, and if that person was not in my contacts list, it would send them directly to voicemail. So at most, the phone would ring once. Right. Once, maybe twice if, if the caller ID was slow to get sent. Um, since then, I've switched over to voice over IP. Um, right. And basically, if you're not in my white list, the phone doesn't ring at all. Because one ring will set, set one of my dogs off. Yeah. Barking, yeah. Right? I, know, I noticed that. Because he yeah. thinks that we're going to go out. It'd be nice if you can program that device so when they call, you can kind of call them back or pick it up and say, hey, stop calling me. Yeah, you bother yeah. me. <laughs> well, what it would do is... I then, then you're going to their level, right? So. If I knew they were a telemarker, what I would have it do is it would just pick up and hang up. Right. But right. now, uh, my phone rings once every th- week, maybe, at yeah. most, uh, compared to... I would, assume, I would assume after so many tries, let's say, like, they would give up or they would no, mark no, they just keep going it's just, just a call center with a rotating queue yeah sometimes yeah. sometimes the call comes through before they can assign the open line to a rep which is why it's silent for like 20 seconds oh, which drives me before crazy. a telemarketer so comes on you calling me to sell your wares and you're putting me on hold oh <laughs> i want to jump through so i tried calling these people back so oh, actually i actually had to call display this 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 uh, phone is out of service, or yeah. this number is not. Usually, it's, where do they get the number from? It's a voice over IP line, and they just spoof the the oh. caller ID. So one of these days, you know what? One of these days, I'm gonna actually have have one of these Yahoos come and clean up my ducks. Then I'm gonna I'm gonna hold him hostage until he coughs up where 
whatever company. <laughs> I don't and then think I gotta visit those guys and I don't think it's worth going to jail for uh, kidnapping. Oh, people. it's worth it. I'm going to jail. I'm telling you, I'm going to jail. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna be I'm gonna be next to all those telemarketers. <laughs> it's supposed to be illegal anyway, isn't it? Uh well, most of the telemarketing comes out of country too. Okay, so. Uh, that's why the, that's why that. the do not call list is kind of pointless. I'm not even going to chase that then. But so. uh, if you set up your own phone system, like with your own PBX using open source uh, I'm gonna software. Do that. So like you gave me that asterisk. motherboard. I'm going to do that. I'm going to finally, maybe over the Christmas holidays, I'm going to set You're going to need to buy some hardware to make that happen. I don't care. I'll um, pay for it. I'll either pay for the hardware or, or go to jail. You can you can get off a of bell, go into like one of the voiceover IP lines, which use asters. They have a little web thing. You just add a white list of numbers that you want to come through. Every other number just goes to voicemail. I've been with Bell for like ages, though. Well, I, so have, uh, yeah, so been, had you know I. But you get to keep the number for the voiceover? Yeah, no, I, I um, ported my number. It was paying, I went from more than $40 a month to 20 bucks a month. Yeah, I'm going to have to do that. So, yeah. I mean, that's 240 bucks a year. That's a Dell venue. Have to pro, pass it. That's a Dell venue pro tablet every year, man. <laughs> that's right. So I'm going to have to have a, um, a committee meeting with the, uh, the boss, the boss, the CFO. Then, yeah, that's yes. right. Let's see what happens. Um, take a look at, uh, here's, here's something that I, uh, here's an article. If you go on our, our site, it says not a space pick, but a, a moon belt. <laughs> so it's not a pick, but it's a, a belt now. What does that mean? I'm trying to think of a dirty metaphor. I but know, I know you are. That's a tough one. <laughs> so I read this, and I, I the reason why I kind of thought it was intriguing is that people are actually thinking about this stuff. So what it is is they're saying they go up to space and they either have they have these all these robots, all these robots going up to space and a couple of man flights, and they're going to build this big, giant solar belt around the moon. 11,000 kilometers. Some place it's going to be 400 meters wide or whatever. And as the sun hits, I guess, the moon, it goes in um, the solar, solar. I guess, it sends the energy back to the earth. And, and I was thinking, wow, that's, that's pretty cool. But who's going to build this thing? And if something goes wrong, you know, there's no tech support on the moon. You know, I, I don't know what's going to happen. So, But I thought it was someone would actually think about this, that it could. And, and there's all kinds of, like, specifications. Leave it here. to a human to find a way to destroy nature's natural beauty. That's another thing. So you got you got to leave the moon the way it is. They go and they put this giant belt around the moon, right? So not only that, you know, what's that building? I think it's in uh, in England or somewhere where um, one of the other buildings, the way the sun hits it, it's it's heating up the the asphalt and the some of the cars are melting. The plastic was that in, in the, England. It was yeah. It had like reflective windows. Right. I thought it was in the U.S. And people would go there and they get like suntans off of this building <laughs> in the middle of winter, right? So, well, you know, I guess something like that happening too. I don't know. Boil the ocean. I don't know. So, oh, we're already boiling the ocean. Yeah, humans true. are probably one of the most selfish beings around. Yeah, true. So I that's pretty good uh, via tree hugger, um, which is via slash gear. So I got it from slash gear. Uh, it's on our site. Click it if you want to see how we can heat up our whole planet using the, well, you know what, if we do that, at least we're not burning oil or, you know, creating well, nuclear think about fission or anything All like the that. effort that is going to take to build this belt around the moon. Billions and billions, we're talking possibly a trillion dollars. Yeah. Because it's so far away. 
it's a huge super project where you have to move a lot of technical resources and, and capital equipment there. And then you're going to send it back how? Through radio waves or something? Yeah. And anytime you're sending electricity th- through anything other than a superconductor, you're going to lose power. So, so gonna- you might get like 5% of the power that it generates by the time it gets to the Earth. Okay, yeah, I agree. Right? So we're going to file this one under um, giant death stars and space picks. Interesting idea. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely so, an interesting and, idea. And asteroid lassoes. So some of those ideas. Anyway, uh, let's go on to uh, a couple of articles. So the value of content. So what's uh, with the, the stuff after the title? I am a hoe? I am, I am a hoe. No, that stands for, I guess, in my honest opinion. Oh, in my humble opinion. Or, or humble yeah. opinion. Oh, I thought you were, you were saying something about uh, oh, you the value put, of your you content. You put that there. Did I? <laughs> That's your post. I deny so, it. So, is there Someone something was you want to tell you. us? Yes. You know, are you denying stuff? like I'm not a wong. I'm not an ing. I'm a ho. <laughs> You're a ho. <laughs> so, he's talking like about... Like Dr. Ho. Um, and you know what? I just experienced this yesterday. So, I went on a site and it was totally grayed out and there's this big article slapped on top and says, to see this article, you need to log into Facebook. I don't want to log into Facebook, right? Yes. I just want to see the article. I don't want anything on top. So... Uh, it's I like the apps in the app store where please rate review this yes. app. Thanks yeah. for using. Even yeah. when you paid for the app, they'll pop that thing up and annoy you. Annoy you. So this is like a generation two, second generation of um, pop ups. Really, yes. Right. So, but the problem is that the old pop ups you can shut them off. Yes. The ones in your browser. This one here is not so easy to shut off because they just pop up on your yeah, screen. Especially if if they're not loading jQuery in the uh, right in their JavaScript. Files. Then you can cheat and go into the developer mode, figure out where the layer is, and and make it hide. That's what I used to do on the Toronto Only Star guys website. Like you would do that. Yeah. I used to do that on Toronto web uh, Star website because you're only allowed to read ten articles online. Yeah, and they just put a, a JavaScript layer overlay, and you can make it hide if you know what to look for. Yeah, but now I just use incognito mode on Chrome, which doesn't take cookies. So then every time you open up a new incognito session, you start with a new 10 articles that you can read in the Toronto Star. Yeah. Not that I'm advocating bypassing. The, yeah, I am advocating it. The yeah. Toronto Star's paywall, but yeah. that's, that's the easiest trick to get around a paywall. Oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to remember that one. Control-Shift-N. Control-Shift-N? Or Command-Shift-N if you're on a Mac. I'm there. I'm there. So what, what this gentleman did, so this Andy Beaumont, he went and he, I guess he started recording all these sites. And taking, I guess, video snapshots or whatever of all these sites. You remember and he, Experts and he did, Exchange? What's that? Experts Exchange? Yeah, yeah, I remember that. <laughs> you had to log in. Yeah, you needed an answer, and they made you jump through hoops to get that answer. And you know what the problem was? They were making money off of people's contributions. They weren't... So Experts Exchange was a exchange for experts to give help That's kind of douchey, on technical, technical advice. So let's yeah. say you had a problem with Excel and you needed help. You go to Experts Exchange, some Excel expert... In the goodness of his own heart, would take five minutes and post a solution there, and that then, he made no money off of. Yeah, but Experts Exchange made money off the advertising. Then they put it in the search results. So when you click the link, it would take you to the site with this crappy thing preventing you from seeing the answer. Yeah, I I, I totally I, I just I hate the way that works, and uh, I think it's kind of like you said, it's douchey, right? I, did so, I say that? Well, I said it. Oh, so. okay. But um, just going to go back to 
uh, your the the actual you you mentioned uh, Quora, Quora, right? Quora, which is basically like experts exchange, but less focused on technologies. Every possible thing um, does the exact same thing. Yeah, there are ways of getting around it, but you know, there's a reason why Stack Overflow just killed the technical questions and answers market because they didn't block you from seeing user contributed answers. Yeah. They give you what you want. I use it often too. I use it constantly for programming. And there's a lot of companies that try to imitate it. A lot of sites that imitate it. It's got the same look to it and yeah, there's hundreds. There's something called the brain tapper exchange. Yeah. Oh, those guys too. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So, Hey, listen, you know, um, I wonder if it's still live. It probably is with no additional Kagos answers on it. But anyway, yeah, it is. I actually got something on, um, it's on Pentaho. Oh, I downloaded. I downloaded your. <laughs> I downloaded your uh, your date dimension pe- KTR. So still there. Oh, it's still running. It's yeah. loading. Oh wow. Oh, there's something contributed by. Uh, oh, Cognos on SlideShare. It says I posted it, but I thought you posted that one. No. IBM no. Cognos framework documenting the framework model. That's you. It got two votes. There you hey, go. Look at that. See that. I should repurpose this into a support app for our app. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Except it's written in like stuff no, that I don't uh, write, write code in anymore. No, our app our app won't have any of this pop-ups or... No. Right? Well, it's an app. It's different. Like right. what you're talking about, the article is talking about sites for the public, not actually a That's web right. app designed to do real stuff. We have pop-ups, but right. they come because you ask for them to come. That's right. Okay, uh, another post. Another post. Amazon has drones. So Amazon is going to claim to deliver your package in half an hour. So you place the order. Yeah, here's my package. That's right. (laughs) I'm going to place my order. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) My package. Here's his final. It buzzes, too. The package vibrates from the buzzing of the propellers. Oh, okay. Just so you know. I'd like to get a package that vibrates. Yeah, I know you would. Delivered to my house. Anyway, oh, okay. So, half an hour. So, I could place the order, go have a coffee, make some toast, or fry up a couple eggs. By the time I come back to my computer, the package is on my doorstep. So, how is this done? So, uh, they have their distribution centers or their, uh, yeah, DCs, I guess. Their warehouses are gigantic. Gigantic. Huge football fields. Twelve, ten football fields is the size of one of them. And uh, and all you hear is the hum of, of, um, of I guess, the, the rollers and, and beep, beep. Everything's beeping. So if you look at the, the six, it's actually a 60 minutes overtime piece. And they're talking about it. It's, it's amazing. They show the, the actual. Yeah, they didn't talk about the, the work conditions, though, did they? No, no. Apparently, it's uh, The people weren't smiling. Unpleasant. Yeah, they were all like, they're like drones, They're all too. temporary work. They That's have right. quotas, and it's back-breaking work. <clears throat> right. Apparently. So, they were showing from the articles I read. I don't know this for a fact, so please well, don't sue me, Amazon. If you, if you look at the post I did, and you actually look at the 60 Minutes piece, um, they introduced the, the new drone. You actually see some of the workers working, and it's like a they, they talk. Oh yeah, it's like a symphony. People are walking around, but they don't look too happy, and they were all like miserable and looked like. Anyway, it's it's. I have mixed feelings because Amazon is great. Yeah. they're like the best company to order from online in yeah. terms of user experience and service. But yeah. uh, it's kind of like going to Walmart and buying this stuff made in China. You know that 
you know, a five-year-old it. made my scarf or something. Yeah, yeah that's <laughs> yeah. right. Joel Fresh is the latest one in the news about that stuff. Yeah. So. Anyway, so this, these things are going to be buzzing over our heads. The only thing is, I guess, they're trying to get FAA approval, and that's not coming until 2016, but they say they actually have working drones that can do it right now. So it's, I think it's a 10-kilometer, 10 10-mile 10 radius. <clears throat> so they would have to have these these Amazon distribution centers, I guess, in the main hub of, of, a, of a city, right? I, so. I read an article after this story came out about some hazy <clears throat> town somewhere down south in, the, in not Canada where uh, they gave their citizens the right to shoot down drones with their, their guns. Oh, if that'll they happen to. for sure. You know, not only that, you, you got all these drones flying overhead and. Well, I mean, that's why it needs FAA regulation so yeah. that anyone who does do that is charged with a felony if they shoot something that is legitimately in the air. Uh, here's something here. I've got it. I'm, I'm kind of like in the a flight path for Pearson import uh, international Im- airport. Mm-hmm. And, if one of those drones goes a little too high, that airplane is going to suck it up, guaranteed. Right? Well, I'm sure that that would be a no-fly zone for drones. So they wouldn't be able to like a twenty-mile, like a five-mile radius around an airport. Right. Right. So because I don't think they can go that high. I don't think so either. No. I think you know we're talking fifty. And the package maybe. probably has to weigh less than X amount of pounds too, yeah. right? And they have to fly over a certain pass where it can't land on a pedestrian's head. Right. So, but if I wanted to have my iPhone delivered to me, let's say I ordered an iPhone, that would be a perfect product to deliver. <laughs> that would right? be a perfect <laughs> opportunity for a criminal to shoot down a drone in hopes of getting an iPhone. Exactly. So there's another thing. So you know what? They talk about it, but um, I don't know. seems a little ambitious. Did for- I tell you the story that was in the news, I think, a week ago? These guys <laughs> in the U.S. sent a drone over a prison wall with drugs. The guards saw the drone and then followed it to a parking lot with a car f- of four guys. <laughs> See these they, greedy they guys? See how greedy they are just to get their drone back? They but the drone, <laughs> I would have, you know, if you if you think about it, if you're smart, you you let the drone go. Or what you do Because you it's have- a 20-year felony to send contraband into prison. So the, whoever was in the car, all of them are facing 20-year felony <laughs> sentences now. Yeah, which makes you think, that what else can drones be used for? So can they, they can be used for surveillance, right? Yeah. But then they can also be used for terrorism, Well, they're too. used for killing people, right? Right, right. So, yeah, there was that one, I forget the guy's name. Um, he actually died. He had this, uh, his own sh- show or something like that. With, oh. Uh, you know which guy I'm talking about. The, the No, but he didn't die from a drone. He was executed or something. Yeah, he he had a, he had this scary drone video, but he was sh- he was shot in his office. Yeah, that's right, that's right. But I, get, um, I have to post that. I have to look that up. But you know, like they have like in Nevada, they have the station or something where where the U.S. Army controls all the drones in the Middle East. Yeah, yeah. It's like a video game. I think there was an article <coughs> written in some some major magazine about. A day in the life of this drone pilot. You know, he goes home, you know, makes lunch for the kids, goes back to the office, killing people. You know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it's it's bizarre to yeah. me. Okay, let's move on to um, our main topic, and I just picked something out. I saw I saw a post in uh, uh, in Smashing Magazine. Now, uh, w- w- 
most of our main topics now are kind of around the our app and and getting our app released soon and um i thought this was pretty good um i'm just gonna go through a couple of these and just kind of compare it maybe to our app and how we're gonna put it out to beta or get it testing but um um the name of this article is called building a successful product start small and, and listen and um you know if we had unlimited resources we, nice could build, font. we could build any <laughs> <laughs> you're looking at the article you can build anything right so i guess you can build any app but we don't have all those resources so i guess we have to kind of follow something like this so here's one how to decide on must-have features for launch right must run yes <laughs> must work must so, be reachable on the internet who is my target customer and what problems will my product solve right so now we we have actually one of those is um uh our app actually is responsive to all the mobile devices right yes that wasn't an original um requirement but you know if i'm a consultant or i'm a project man i want to have something like that that works right yes i want it to work that way because a lot of times i'm in the middle of a meeting and i need to have some update something on my uh um on my task, I'll have to do that, right? Um, launching with confidence. So they talk about minimal, minimum viable. So a minimum crappy products nobody wants us to use. That's that's a kind See, of. And then they talk about viable, which which means you gotta you need products built by companies better financed than you. See, so you're gonna want to find a happy medium, right? It depends because minimum viable uh, works in the everybody segment so if you're building something for everybody like a facebook or right. a twitter yeah it doesn't have to be great because you just need to get it out there if you're building something that people are paying for it has to be a little more than minimum right and it has to be a little more than just viable yeah that's right because no one's going to pay you a thousand bucks for minimum that's viable right. product and and it, they'd say launching with confidence shouldn't worry about our, all our features or features that you know the thousands of features that we wanted to have and we don't they, they talk about it should be basically if it's a good product, just launch it with confidence. Um, don't worry about any features you have that people might not be happy with, right? Just you've, you've created this product. Now yeah, you, at some point we have to just say it, it, yeah, we're it's happy out there. With it. It's out there. Right. Now there's one here. Listen to people who are willing to pay for your product. So we're going to go on a beta soon and um, we're going to have people that are, are going to, I guess, give us feedback. And they're probably yes. going to have a lot of ideas, great ideas that we never thought about, right? It's hard to believe for, for us to how much we spoke, we've talk, talked about this product. But um, those people are actually going to pay for the product. They're going to come up with ideas. They're going to ask for certain things or they're going to want certain things. And we need to, to listen to that. Will we implement it? We're not sure. But um, uh, these people are going to give you the ideas but they're going to do it willingly and, and they'll be happy to do it right so um it's a catch-22 because apple doesn't uh, focus group their products and they don't make changes unless there's a huge right outcry right for the change because depending on your sample size so if you have four beta users you know and 75 percent of them say something that's still not necessarily enough to merit a change because your sample size is so small. Right. Right. But what if what if there's an overwhelming, let's say all the users, and we've made a mistake, a glaring mistake we forgot to Oh, put, that, you know. Then we... But we yeah. have our own roadmap too. That's right. Right. Yeah. If we l like something, I mean, because, uh, you know, every every product has 
is built on the opinions of its creators. Right. Because if you build something that everyone asks for, you end up with a mess like uh, Microsoft Office 2010. Yes. Yeah. Which with uh, millions of menus and icons and yeah, exactly. Because you look at uh, our so quote unquote competitor, 37 Signals. They don't, they take customer feedback, but they don't do everything that's asked for if it doesn't make sense for their product. Uh, overwhelming requests be damned. Yeah. Because yeah. I don't think they do like advanced timesheet. They, they, I think their response is just use a. We, don't have, we really don't have a calendar, do we? We will that's have. Gonna, we will be more but, like a report. But that's going to be something I know a lot of people will be asking for. Yeah. Yeah. Because we're going to turn down a lot of feature requests because we don't want to just put it in if it's not right because then people will get used to it. Yeah. Used to something that's not great. And then if you change it to something that's great, they're going to go. There's going to be more resistant to change than acceptance of something better. Yeah. Well, I've, I've you know, started to use it more uh, every day. And, you know, it does, what it does, it does well, I think. It's, from what I see. Well, I mean, it's come a long way. It's come full circle, actually. Exactly. If you look at it, it's, it's a lot like somewhat more like our original <laughs> prototypes that we departed from and then have come back to. Right. Which is a sad irony of, of yep. the development of our product. So there's one here, doing the things that will make the most difference to most people. That, that goes without saying. Yeah, right? so, so we care more about the 80% than the 20%. Exactly, exactly. And, and um, there's another one later on in the, in the article, and I'll just circle back to, to this one here, but uh, uh, that kind of relates to that, and I'll, I'll, I'll remind you of that when we get there. Getting, here's another one, getting good use cases. So um, our, our, our app does one thing, but there might be different uses. Like, mm-hmm. you know, uh, I was talking to my wife and she goes, well, I would use the app this way in my company. I, I'd use it to kind of maintain all the, uh, all the work orders on, on the machines. And I would s- send out the work orders to the different people and they have to be done by this date. And I need to track how much time. So it's not really, they wouldn't look at the project as a whole. It's a day-to-day kind of, uh, work type of flow, right? Yeah. And people would update it and say it's complete and that's it. And then what she said is she, during, a, during a meeting, she would create the status report and have a list of all the work that was done on these machines. I go, that's interesting. We didn't even thought, think of it that way, right? So um, that's one use case. So I guess we have our use case based on our historical work and our experience and I guess other people had different. Yeah, I mean, our app is specifically targeted to us right in right. our everyday professional roles even though it can apply to other industries it's right. still because if once we start trying to satisfy other industries we're two guys who can't make that happen right, right. because we don't have a team of 100 right. building out this app right so here's a, here's another gun looking after the happy silent majority so we talk about this all the time we don't want to make wheel every, gets the grease right, right. we don't want to make everybody happy we want to make those people happy that that are like us, and that's twenty five percent maybe out of the out of all the the people that are in professional services or do projects, right? So we make those people happy, then we've got a product that's that's going to fly. You're never going to have a product that's going to make everyone happy. Well, right? It's the the Pareto principle, right? Eighty twenty rule. That's right. 
20% of your functionality, 80% of the people use. 80% of the functionality, only 20% of the exactly. people use. We so say you focus the on the 20% of the functionality that everyone uses and less on all those other extra features that only a small segment. Right. You know, and unless you have hundreds of developers like Microsoft does, you can't, uh, you can't make everyone happy all of the time. Right, right. Uh, My favorite one, though, is new features rarely spike our sales. Yeah, that's the one that I, I said was going to double back to that other, that other one there. So we're talking about what was the one I was, we were talking about? Uh, I can't remember. Um, doing things that make that will make the most difference to most people. So that one that you you're, you just mentioned, and I'm just scrolling through, through our article. New features rarely spike our sales. So um, and it kind of ties in with the one above. Protect your core use case. So you got your product that does that core you know, solution that handles that core base. Um, anytime you add a new feature, let's say we had a fancy new calendar or uh, I don't know, maybe a new notifications. People really don't care about that as long as it's still doing what it's supposed well, to do. See, th right? this is more about sales driving product management. So take uh, Cognos, for example. People might have always been bitching and moaning about... Um, I don't know, micro charts or something. Right. I can't sell it because this prospect says he needs this. Right. Most right. of the time when the prospect's talking to the salesperson, it's not a make or break purchase decision on one small feature. And yeah, I'd like to have this, but the sales guy turns around to product development and says, we got to build this. People are asking for it. Right. You know, you turn around, you build it, you spend, these types of features usually cost six figures or more when you calculate the amount of effort and testing and things. Things like that going. Okay, here's a good example. And sales don't go up because of it. Here's a good example: the social aspect of BI. Like, oh yeah, yeah. Like, what, what do they that? call that? Social BI or whatever. whatever. <laughs> or big data. You know, people yeah. are asking for big data. Most of the customers ask about it, but they don't actually need it for their own use case. And then you spend millions of dollars implementing that feature, and your sales don't go up. Right. So, that's that's what happens when you let the sales team have too much influence on your product development team. Right. In my opinion. At least in the, you know, my experience in, in product companies, that happens a lot. Exactly. Right. Okay. So let me think. Yeah, let's, we really don't need any, any new features other than what I think we've kind of pared back a well, lot, right? Well, we have a core set of features that we're constantly polishing. Right. Have we added new features? Uh, we've stripped out all the, a lot of features like... Automatic meeting management, that's gone. It's not coming back that's for right. at least one big release. That's right. It's just refining our core features uh, to go back to term you used at the top of the show, golf apping, right. to make exactly. it easier. That in itself is very time-consuming, just polishing up the basics. Yeah, doing one thing good. So, Okay, uh, that's it for the topic. Got anything else to say on building a successful product? Not really, eh? <laughs> it's been two years. No. Go. No. Picks, uh, picks of the week. I was going to change my pick of the week, and then I forgot what I was going to change it to, so I'm going to go back with my original for now. But I'll let you go first. Okay. In case I think of it again. So um, this pick of the week for me is, um, it's actually military-inspired ATV has tires that won't stop or be popped. Now, the reason why I picked this, you know, it's just kind of reinventing the wheel. Ah, so <laughs> what it is, is it's actually a wheel 
and it doesn't it's have been reinvented too. It doesn't have the traditional or, um, uh, you know, the air. It doesn't have a tube. It's just it's got this honeycomb type of uh, structure to it, and it, it does have a tread, but um, you don't pump it up. It's just um, I don't know some kind of composite type of wheel, uh, and it's got like o- almost like a honeycomb type of um, honeycomb. Big big bite. <laughs> is that how they had yeah. two honeycomb characters too, right? One was a bear and one was a cowboy. Was that? Oh, that's way back. That's going way, or a bee or something, wasn't there? It was. It was a cowboy was one, and then there was another. Yeah. I thought it was a bear, but then I'm, I could be thinking about sugar bear. Yeah. So this is a. It's military inspired. So this thing, I guess it's all terrain. It'll never go flat. Can and somebody can shoot at it and it won't a bullet go right through it and it'll just keep on going so um uh it's climbing a rock and it looks like the wheel is actually giving a bit i guess through that honeycomb type of effect so uh very cool uh, that someone actually thought about that and um it's more of a design thing pick than a new product or anything like that so that's that's my pick of the week very cool yeah I guess uh, I'm going to go back to my easy pay. I couldn't come up with a good one, so I just uh, picked my Black Friday purchase, yep. which was uh, the Ultimate Ears headphones that I picked up for less than half price. So, Oh, nice. I don't think they're worth full price. What would you pay for them? Uh, 52 including tax and shipping. Oh, that's good. And I get some money cash back from PayPal too. So Yeah. They look comfortable. How do they sound? They're pretty good. The, there's one design feature that I like that's not in a lot of headphones. I think some of the Beats headphones have it, but um, the wire to the earphone itself comes off. So if and that's the thing that gets the most wear. So I can just use any any uh, one eighth inch yep. or three point five millimeter stereo jack and replace it and it's got a shareable splitter so you can make it, it like, co- yeah it comes with a splitter which you can put your heads together and listen to the same music right oh well <laughs> the best feature about it and it's more uh less to do with this particular set of headphones than um the ones that have padding and cover your ear is that uh going back to what we were talking about earlier when the phone rings like one of my dogs just goes nuts right you know, another dog. Whenever he sees a squirrel, he goes nuts in through the through the back window. And then at three three p.m. on a school day, when the kids are walking down my street chatting loudly, they all go nuts. Nuts, yeah. It really muffles their barking, which helps me maintain my sanity as someone yeah. who works at home. That in itself is a is a big deal. So yeah, it sounded pretty good. You had them on the other. Actually, I have them with me. I'll show them to you. Oh, that's all right. Comes with a nice little bag too, which. Uh, I don't think you can hear the Velcro <laughs> on the microphone. So it comes in this little oh, that's nice. little bag. And I guess the tra- their trademark is the blue wire that runs. And it's got the microphone control. It's, oh, they're it, heavy. The wire has uh, a microphone like the iPhone oh, they're better earbuds. Than mine. So well, they're better than mine. Mine's got the microphone, though. Oh, that's oh, you got the nice cord, too. So, yeah, you see that little rectangular thing? It's like got the control on your yeah. iPhone head- yeah, headbuds, nice. earbuds. So that lets you control the volume and stuff. So regular, these go off for a hundred and change. Uh, Future Shop said that uh, they were one twenty nine, but I think some places sell them for a hundred. So they were forty five bucks plus tax and free shipping. So nice. Okay, so you can listen to our podcast with these now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. 
Have you ever listened to one of our podcasts? Uh, only the first couple, I think. Since well, then, you I... don't need to because uh, I'm there, man. Yeah, you're there. I'm there. You're there. Well, that's it for this week, I guess. Um, what are we doing for Christmas? We're gonna have one of these before Christmas. Well, or? what's the date today? Is the sixth. So yeah. the next, we can do one on the twentieth. Okay, we'll do one on the twentieth. That'll be our last uh, podcast before the holidays. Before we take our own uh, company Christmas break too. Right? right, right. And then maybe in the new year we'll do a best of 2013. Yeah, we will not do it in 2013. I'd hate it when those shows. Yeah. In December, do do it. You know, I remember. I think uh, 1990. I guess. Uh, they were doing like the best uh, or the biggest stories, and then Christmas Day, Ceausescu gets gets like assassinated, uh, yeah, or a, from a military coup. And you know, you've already done your your biggest stories of the year. Got to do a redux on it, yeah. 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 <laughs> so we'll do it in 2003. Yeah, we'll pick. I guess we'll talk about it in our next uh, podcast. For more information on Assign It to Me, you can visit our website at assignittome.com or our blog at blog.assignittome.com If you have any questions regarding this show or the Assign It To Me app, feel free to contact me at vince at assignittome.com Thanks for listening.